Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Soundcheck, the rock and roll and alternative music podcast here at Central Michigan Life. My name is Michael Livingston. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Andrew Mullen, and our podcast editor, Ben Ackley. Uh, today, uh, we're going to diverge a little bit from what we had planned last time. We, if you remember, we took a week break. Um, we had some backup plans, and both of them fell through. But it's okay. It's good. They're going to come up. Later we should this probably just stop promising these plans until I agree. They actually happen. At <laughs> I this agree. Rate. Um, I mean, we have next week planned out like pretty solid, right? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, it, 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 as they as they always say in professional wrestling, card is subject to change. Okay. So, and maybe <laughs> uh, maybe we should. Hey, the what? wrestling references are a little out of control. On this how how often do I make them? I want to say once every other episode. I don't even think no, it's that much. Yeah, that's not that crazy. And even if it was, it's not that bad. It's usually like post-recording, honestly. That's, that's where true. I hear more wrestling talk. And, t- and typically, I always find a way to to draw them in and to uh, make it make make it make sense in the context of the conversation. So. Right. I don't appreciate your attitude, Michael. Oh, with my says wrestling. you. Okay. Okay. Well, in, in terms of just. Making fun of my other passions beyond music, just and trying to incorporate it in, trying to create a wider audience. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So okay. I'm just saying, just saying. Well, we're definitely not creating a wider audience with this episode because it's kind of a niche genre that we're talking about yeah. today. But we're testing. I wanted to test out a new format uh, today. We all did. Um, but before we get into that, uh, housekeeping, Andrew. Uh, yes, you can. Uh, we have a Twitter account. Uh, we sometimes post things. Uh, you can find us on SCheckOfficial. Um, at least that, that is our Twitter handle. You know, we also have our own personal Twitter accounts. Mine is Andrew Mullen4. Mine is Michael C. Live. I don't use social media. And with that, now we're going into our episode topic. So like I said, we're testing out a new format today um, that can be used for subgenres and niches, mu- niche music trends. Um, we wanted to highlight 10 songs to get a general feel of a certain style of music. And this is different from our top 10 list. It's simply a collection of songs for you to check out under like a musical umbrella. They're not really ranked in a particular order. This is kind of like your starter pack to a particular genre. Um, Mm -hmm. And I can't think of really a more fitting uh, genre for this format than shoegaze, Um, a genre we've talked about and argued about Especially in terms of pronunciation on <laughs> I was this podcast say, Michael, before. Don't you mean showgaze? <laughs> you were going to piss so many people off. So yes, um, is, so apparently I've been told many a times that the way I pronounce the name of this genre is incorrect. It is apparently shoegaze, not showgaze. Even though I say showgaze, because for the longest time I assumed that. It, that's why I was pronounced. Again, I only ever read read about the genre online, so never heard anyone pronounce it. If I had, I believe it was actually shoegaze. I just would have never thought to have called it shoegaze because shoegaze sounds fucking stupid. Well, if you're bright enough to put together the pieces, Andrew, you can tell that it's from it's kind of it started from an insult. Uh, the name of this genre mm-hmm. because it involves so many pedals, distortion, and. Uh, just a technician chip on the part of the guitarist, then they're always looking at their feet. Therefore, shoegazing. Yes, I know. It's essentially sad boy rock. That's why yeah. they're staring at the shoes. <laughs> but um, it, I don't know. Shoegaze sounds stupid. So I will call it showgaze, almost for the sense of pissing people off. I think they should have called it foot fetish rock and roll. <laughs> 
I, I think at this point, I'm just, I'm just gonna do it just to make people mad because it's a running joke at this point, and I feel like I'm. If I don't, it's almost disappointing. So if you can't make it through ten minutes of this podcast, you know why. Um, so here's your brief history of this style of music, just to keep things rolling. Um, shoegaze essentially is a late '80s alt rock phenomena that made its way through underground music scenes primarily in the UK, but also had some early start in the US. Uh, in order to shoegaze, you need three things. You need a guitar, you need a vocalist with a very calming, soothing voice, and you need a shit ton of pedals. Uh, the music is characterized by giant walls of sound that can knock you back, but also with like tranquil harmonies underneath uh, and mm. these peaceful vocals. Um, many a times, genres will merge with shoegaze. Uh, there's early pioneers of it that weren't all the way shoegaze. Um, a lot of it's married with dream pop, and we're all going to tackle that those essential elements later on. Um, I think the hardest thing about understanding shoegaze is trying to assess the founders of the genre and those who actually carried the true shoegaze sound with them. Yeah, I mean, to me, whenever uh, I should, as much as I was joking around at the start of this, I should say I do typically find myself enjoying the sounds of, of this genre, even if I hadn't really explored it all that much. I think... Ben might be a little less experienced with the genre than I am, but uh, I, I kind of knew some of the big names and their songs, and a couple of underground bands that, that come with this band as well. But uh, I mean, typically, to me, whenever I think of sho- uh, showgaze, it's kind of the you know the uh, two sides of the coin. There, you have kind of like you said, like the giant, distorted, harsh wall of noise that just crushes you, mm-hmm. and the other side of, of, of it where it's kind of more. Uh, kind of dream poppy where you have that really kind of some of it's just, you still have a lot of fuzz but all the, a lot of the notes are kind of spaced out uh the, there's a little more um emphasis on harmonies and mm-hmm. kind of um a feeling of washing over you in a not so you know daunting crushing way you know right. it kind of has those two side of the coins and trying to sometimes it can to me it can be a little difficult trying to define the genre but typically there are a couple and you, you, you listed many of them, kind of, kind of a couple hallmarks to come with that. It makes it kind of an easy, somewhat easy to identify, like, hey, this is actually what Showgaze is. Or Showgaze inspired. Or, or stuff that's inspired by it as well. Mm-hmm. So, Ben, what's your experience with Showgaze? Um, I had heard y'all talk about it. I knew, like, some Jesus in the Mary Chain. Uh, like, I, I'd listened to a few My Bloody Valentine songs, uh, but I'd avoided them for reasons we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I didn't really know that much. I, I was sort of anticipating it to be kind of a, an overly pretentious genre. I was worried about something like that happening. I was worried about really long songs and stuff like that, which I didn't really get with this whole package. Uh, and I was really pleasantly surprised. It's definitely most mostly stuff I'm going to look into further. Well, you mentioned Jesus in the Mary Chain. With that, do you want to introduce the first song? Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm going to play this song before we even get going here. This is sort of a a precursor to the entire genre of showgaze. Um, And this is Just Like Honey by Jesus and Mary Chain. Behind, behind. 
the Jesus and Mary chain got started in uh, 1983 or so by brothers uh, Jim and William Reed. And they were kind of looking to reintroduce the guitar back into popular music, which sounds really strange coming out of the mid-80s. But there was a gigantic jump to synthesizers, as we can all hear in most pop from that period. Um, And they were really influenced by acts like the Velvet Underground and the Stooges at first, as well as the Shangri-Las, which I think really shines through. You kind of get a that sort of girl group drum beat that Mm -hmm. sets that song off and makes it sort of different from everything else. Uh, But they debuted with that album, uh, just like or Psycho Candy in '85. Yeah, right. And kind of went on from there. And they were a, a I don't know if you'd necessarily call them shoegaze, but they were a progenitor of the genre. Um, I mean, to, so again, Jesus and Mary Chain is one of those names that I always hear about, but you know, it's just never really given the time and day. I, I did quite like the song, uh, just for starters, but I don't know. Like again, for me, like this, um, I don't know if I really hear the the. the I can kind of hear some of the introductions to shoegaze. I can see how I might have been able to inspire it. You know, this very, you know, song drenched in reverb and fuzz. I mean, a lot of it just kind of sounded to me like, you know, like late, late, late 60s garage rather than something I would hear coming later from my buddy Valentine. You know what it sounded like to me? It sounded like, sh- like slowed down Husker Du. Like with that tone. Can you hear that? It's a very similar guitar tone. Yeah. I mean, maybe... Maybe something from like New Day Rising, I could see that. A really brittle kind of distortion. I mean, yeah, yeah that's, uh, yeah, actually, then you pointed it out, it kind of does to me. Um, I mean, although to me, the first thing I heard was kind of like, again, like Lacey's garage tones with all that fuzz going on. Right. Um, again, there are a couple elements. I could see maybe how some bands could have pulled something from them. And I'm not saying they didn't, because obviously I know a lot of, uh, you know, the early shoot, uh, showcase bands that, um, you know, the you know, started that genre, they kind of took from uh, Jesus and the Mary Chain. So I can kind of see it, but to me, I mean, it's just kind of like, to me, it is a bit of a stretch to me when I first heard this. I was kind of surprised to even see him in this list. So, but maybe you can kind of explain it to help make a little more sense for me, Michael. Well, I mean, if you're thinking about the essentials of shoegaze, you're thinking about the that wall of sound, or if you're thinking in the other side of the spectrum, that dream pop aspect of the kind of post-rocky vibes that it'll give you, but uh, and you're also thinking of that that kind of vocal performance, that kind of slow, melodramatic vocal performance, and I think um, William Reed really exemplifies that, especially in this song and on the rest of Psycho Candy. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a weird thing that you mentioned that them bringing guitar back into music, right? Um, I never really knew that part of Jesus in the Mary Chain, and I, and I guess it makes sense uh, considering all the pop music of that time. But although, but at the same time, there's a lot of you know mentioned you could do. I mean, there were still plenty of like I, I assume the scene that these guys would have come from, you know, being more like underground, like college right. rock. Mm-hmm. I mean, guitar is still heavily pre- prevalent in that stuff, though. So well, yeah, but you'd think they're coming. They're in the middle of uh, Britain, and like the punk scene it is essentially dead there. The, the at least the first wave is is dead mm-hmm. um, when they're getting their band started. So there was kind of just a dearth of guitar music. There were lots more smaller synthesizer bands because you could have a band with an even smaller amount of people when you started using synthesizers and drum machines and stuff like that. Yeah. So I can see why these guys are pioneers of shoegaze for sure. Um, 
But that is just on kind of one side of the spectrum of shoegaze. You also have this sort of dream pop things that we're alluding to. Um, and you hear that a lot in bands today, especially on the indie scene, but you never really realize uh, where that started. Um, so our, for our second song here, we wanted to include a little something by the Cocktoo Twins. And this is a band I got into relatively recently, within the last year or so, just because I've, I was actually just seeing a bunch of memes of them online. Um, the big joke with the Cocktoo Twins and the thing you got to know about before you go into them is that they emphasize this sort of scat singing method where none of the words in a Cocktoo Twins song are intelligible or they're, it's, it's like its own language. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is, um, I picked the song Cherry Colored Funk, which is the kind of the first song you'll see when you pull up Spotify. But um, this is what Dream Pop was very early on. And we're going to be able to talk about that transformation, but uh, you're going to hear it characterized by uh, really uh, reverb-soaked guitars, and you have these unintelligible vocals on top of it. It's more meant to send you into a trance rather than to entertain you or kind of seem catchy but without further ado ben you want to give that a play sure kind of get the impression of what this song is inspired by or and the style of music is inspired by whereas we're looking at jesus and the mary chain and we can kind of throw it back to some 60s pop stuff or some 60s garage stuff this is more influenced by stuff that was directly before that uh, in the uk seeing mainly the goth stuff like Bauhaus, for example you've heard that name before but uh, what were your guys's first impressions when hearing this song because uh i i I, I, I wanted to throw it at you because this is a band I really like, but I know your guys' impressions could go either way. Right. Uh, you can go first. Okay. If you want. Well, I do have a little story uh, in relation to this band. I, I saw that you, you'd put this band on the playlist and it horrified me because <laughs> one time you and I went to an open mic and there was a person there who played their guitar through what sounded like a hundred chorus pedals at the same time. Mm-hmm. And they were just warbling over like the same four chords for what felt like half an hour. Mm-hmm. And we were texting back and forth cause I'm a smart ass and I can't, well, I can keep my mouth shut, but I have to release that energy somehow. And you said that you thought she was going for a cocktail twins vibe and that, that stuck in my brain. And I saw this song and I was like, Oh God, yeah. like, am I going to have to fight through something atrocious but i actually i like it a lot and i honestly i didn't notice how i can't understand anything they're saying until i was just listening to it now like, right i'm same actually they, there's no intelligible lyrics in any cocktail twin song they might throw in like a word in there that you'll pick up on but for the most part the lyrics have no meaning is, is it like intentionally scat or do they intentionally it's intentional like, yeah. okay i mean like i are i'm just saying are there actual i guess what i mean about to say is are there actual lyrics are there actual lyrics in english in there that they've just purposely mispronounced it's purely a vocal melody okay and wow. it's, it's completely improvised when it's in terms of live sets that's um and uh, it's actually interesting mm-hmm. so um so for me, I actually knew I knew like of the Cocktoo Twins. I knew knew a little bit of their stuff. Um, I remember like 
when I was, I would go to garage sales to find like CDs and like records for for a little bit. Um, I, I stopped doing that because I realized how fruitless I was. Mm-hmm. Um, but like every now and again, I come across like a, you know someone with like a giant like stack of CDs, and I just get it for like a quarter each. So that was fun, and I. Remember picking up, I think, a greatest hits for for the Cocky Twins. That was okay. so. I, I had some knowledge of them before. Um, ne- never really connected the dots to being Dream Pop. And something else that you kind of helped me do here. I, I had never really. For me, I know a little more about Dream Pop than I do sh- Showgaze, mm-hmm. and I had never really connected the dots between the two, saying that they were kind of like almost sister genres yeah, in a way. So. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say that they're both mutually exclusive. I wouldn't say just because you're a dream pop band, you're a showgaze right, band. Right, right. There's certain ones um, that I wouldn't call like Belly, which is one of the bigger, I think, uh, dream pop bands mm-hmm. of the uh, 90s. I wouldn't call them uh, showgaze per, per se. And again, vice versa. I'm not going to mm-hmm. <laughs> call my buddy Valentine dream pop. That's right, a bit right. of a stretch. But no, I, I again, I get, like Ben said, I quite like this. I, I really like, I love the spacey atmosphere and all this like reverb and just these sweet harmonies and noises that just kind of collectively come together into something really nice. Um, I, I tend to really like that sound. So um, we'll talk about a band later that kind of exemplifies that even oh, more. Oh, definitely. In a modern Stage. Yeah, more in a more yeah, yeah in a more recent modern stage um but yeah so this was perfectly nice to hear and i and, and at first i was like really you're gonna put like uh, these dream pop bands in here but then as i kind of looked more into it and as i listened more to it i realized actually no there's there is quite a bit of crossover definitely uh last thing i'll say about the cocktail twins is that i put this song in here off their album uh heaven in las vegas which is definitely um it came out in 1990, but you can kind of hear the 80s in it, which is really funny. But <laughs> this is definitely their most uh, pop record. If you're going back and listening to the uh, the really early stuff, uh, uh, like Garlands, for example, it's one of my favorites. Uh, mm-hmm. It's pretty much essentially like early noise, and it's crazy. I, I strongly recommend someone checking that out, too. And, and you're actually going to find the more My Bloody Valentine side of Shoegaze in a band like Cockdew Twins, which is famous for the dream pop stuff. So huh. it just goes to show you how much these genres can cross over. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the last thing I'll say on that. Uh, I'm really excited about our next song here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because uh, it's, uh, well... But you consider your favorite band sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I still do. I still do to this day. I mean, hey, hey listeners, go back and listen to uh, that the Dinosaur Jr. episode. episode. Yeah. That is that is the, the pinnacle of Michael soundcheck-ism, for sure. But uh, I got to explain why I, we put this in here, because I didn't think, I didn't even consider it yeah, when, I, when we first did this. You brought it up, Andrew. Yeah, I, I brought it up. Uh, you, you don't mind me going on a bit of a tangent. Go, go for so, it. So, I mean, I... For me, when I think of proto showgays, essentially, when I think of that, what, what could that be? I tend to actually go back to early Dino, or even just Dino in general. I mean, like Dino has to me a lot of like a lot of similarities to like the really like, loud kind of wall of noise style of, sh- of showgays, and e- even not even even going past the first few records. I mean, they always kind of. I mean, when, when you listen to something like The Leper or like Little Furry Things from the early records, that's kind of the sound that they would carry on for the rest of their career. Which right. I'm not saying that as an insult because I love mm-hmm. that sound, but like even going forward, even to, even to stuff um, like, like Out There, even just all these songs that just have these crushing, you know, wall of noise, realize mm-hmm. this isn't quite showgaze, but it has a lot of the same patterns to it. So 
I, I realized they like, a lot of the big big uh, like albums from from the sh- from Showgaze came out around the time that mm-hmm. um, You're Living All Over Me or the first record of theirs came out. So I don't know if it was a direct influence, but to me it always felt like it kind of had that uh, early like it kind of helped set the early stages of the genre. Sure, let's have Ben play it for everybody else, and then I'll kind of give my two cents on it. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, obviously Dino dropped that whole tranquil vocal thing we're talking about in that song. Instead, you got Lou Barlow just screaming his vocal cords out. And then you got Jay coming in with those uh, trademark, like, lazy, nasally uh, singing. But Dude, that, yeah. Constant depressed Eeyore <laughs> kind of style. But uh, that wall of sound at the beginning is definitely a shoegaze classic. Yeah. Uh, this is probably Dino's simplest song in their discography, and this is coming from an expert because Jay relies more on the pedal effects than he does that it, that in, incredibly prolific lead playing mm-hmm. uh, that he's famous for. Um, Lou's bass is just like fat, punchy, and clutters any sort of silence that might be in there. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, I can't say Dino in general is like an early pioneer for shoegaze except on like songs like this because – I think shoegaze is tr- characterized by a reliance on noise rather than proficient playing. So when you have someone like Jay Maskis playing a song who's known for being such a proli- uh, proficient player, mm-hmm. that kind of clouds the judgment of whether this is shoegaze or not. This song, Little Fury Things, is shoegaze. The rest of your living all over me maybe has touches of it in there, yeah. but I can't consider it a complete shoegaze I, I, record. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not saying I do either. Mm-hmm. I, I think, to me, I just see there... Th- there are certain things you're right, like the screams coming in and like the actual proficient, you know, you know, playing that comes in every now and again. But to me, I, I, I do, again, I, that's why I consider them like kind of like the proto showcase. Yes. I mean, because I mean, and even though you have Lou screaming his ass off on this song, mm-hmm. I mean, even even go to any other songs where where uh, where Jay Jay Maskus is singing. I mean. I don't think I, I think there is quite a bit of you know shoegaze esqueness to that. I mean, because mm-hmm. sometimes his vocals are mixed terribly, which is kind of a trademark of uh, of shoegaze. I don't mean that neg- negatively. Right, it right, works right. for the genre, but you know, typically they're kind of like lower in the mix, mm-hmm. and it's just the the, 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 the guitars that tend to overtake right, right, everything. Right. And when 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 James is again singing in that kind of like depressed, quieter, more somber. Um, way that he does it, it does kind of remind like there are a lot of elements that make me think of showgaze while it might not be showgaze there's a lot of it that makes me think it which is why right. i kind of think of it you can to me i can kind of hear the early traces of, mm-hmm. of the genre in there yeah i was gonna say uh jay maskus probably sounds so depressed because he's upset about uh trying to break your phone that's true. <laughs> you can hear that full story on the Dinosaur Junior episode oh, of yeah. Soundcheck. I was, wait, I was like, I'm trying to remember this context, but yes, yeah. I remember now. Yeah. Uh, last thing I'm going to say about the Dinosaur Junior song, I think 
bands like Dinosaur Jr., Sonic Youth, those uh, those 80s alternative bands that we've talked about so many times in the past, really what they did is they, they kind of whetted the palate of an American audience um, for what it is to come later on from the UK mm-hmm. with bands like My Bloody Valentine and, and all those that we're going to talk about. Um, what that did is it gave the American audience a taste for this noise-centric music and that's how it was e- so easily able to adapt it later on. I don't think bands like uh, MBV could have the success and longevity that they had in America if bands like Dinosaur Jr. didn't exist. I mean, even in the um, do you want the because un- obviously, I mean, at this point, Dino wasn't like a household name no. that they would become in the mid '90s, but um, definitely. Even in the underground, you're right. They, I don't know if people would have been so warm and receptive to something like Loveless without right. um, the help of Dino. So speaking of Loveless, though, yes. do you want to go ahead? We've, we've been kind of teasing around with it, but we, oh, yeah. we got to get to the actual we got to get to the granddaddy of all show, uh, shoegaze music. He's infecting you. I, I know. It's like hurting. Um, okay. What? The shoegaze. Oh. It's hurting. <laughs> but uh, the, okay, so the general consensus, like I said, this is the granddaddy of all shoegaze music. The Irish band, My Bloody Valentine. And never mind the unfortunate band name. That has uh, steered us in the wrong direction in the past, because let's be real, this sounds like a shitty metalcore act. I mean, I, whenever, I always, when I first was getting into music, I always kept getting this band mixed up with Bullet for My Valentine. I know. I, it's just like, it's so unfortunate, because I was like, okay, which one's like the cool, like, alternative, like, rock band from the late 80s? Which one's the horrible, like, cringy, like, metalcore <laughs> band? But, like, but didn't, didn't they have, like, one cop cover this, like, goth-looking girl was holding, like, a heart, and it's yep, just yep, bleeding? Yep. I was into that at one point dude i know all uh, about just, my no, uh, bullet from just, my just, just keep going okay, i don't okay. want to get angry regardless of that this band is responsible for creating what i say is some of the most influential alternative music of all time lead guitarist kevin shields is a perfectionist a sonic innovator you can hear it all over the classic 1991 album loveless um i mean if you wanted to theoretically you could listen to this whole album and have a general idea of what shoegaze is i mean it's the shoegaze album yeah and 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 they they encapsulate it all in under 48 minutes um so shields use of reverb distortion tremolo uh countless other effects just stacked on one another pairs perfectly with vocalist belinda butcher um, the album took two years to make really? and absolutely bankrupt creation records um, <laughs> it's, it, with the production value. It's insane, the story behind this album. So enough talking about it. Let's listen to When You Sleep. See, I got confused. <laughs> I was like, wait, what is this?
right. So at the end of the well, day, first of all, well, okay. well played, Ben. Oh, for the fantastic! Game. <laughs> that was that was well done. That threw me. That threw me for the loop. <laughs> all right. Ideally, we could have chosen any song off Loveless to put on this list, but uh, I chose "When You Sleep." Uh, because I think it best represents the genre as a whole. It's sonically mind-blowing. It's loud and kind of oddly danceable, too. Um, I once heard someone describe it as a mermaid falling into a black hole. Yeah. I don't even know how to respond to that. So I, sure. I think it's the coolest way to describe a song <laughs> yeah. ever. Um, I, I, I consider this probably one of the ultimate, like, I mean, there are different flavors of sad boy music. This is like one of the ultimate sad boy anthems. <laughs> I mean, it has to be. But again, it's, but I don't mean that as an insult necessarily because it's a great song. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think, you know, that main, like, that kind of main high pitch riff that goes over that, um, well, that was created out of, because I, 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 I tried to read up on this and, um, didn't like wasn't the way that Shields kind of sometimes played played his uh, music. Didn't some people describe it as glide guitar? Is that how he yeah. created that overlying riff? Yeah, uh, because he's top? never really playing notes when he's when he's playing mm-hmm. the songs. It's it's mainly just like creating noise on the guitar, just moving the hand up and down the neck while also using the tremolo bar excessively. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's a lot of the times where you're going to get those bending and waving of the notes, uh, especially on on songs like Sometimes or Loomer. Uh, which are also on Loveless, you're, you're going to get this weird meandering of the notes. Um, and glide guitar is a perfect way to describe it. I've never heard that term, but that I, I at the end of the day, that's what it is. Yeah, I mean, I I am very glad that I finally took the, the plunge into my bloody Valentine. I almost said bullet for my Valentine. <laughs> that's a, we, You and I talked about that earlier, and I, I was going to bring it up if you didn't. I... I stayed away from my bloody Valentine because I always got them confused with Bullet for my Valentine. <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought I, I could have sworn that was the same band for I a really God, long time. I'm not the only one. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh. yeah, I mean, it's it's really great, and it's like a testament to the genre as a whole. It, yeah. it really is the 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 peak, I think. Right. So if there's one lesson we can learn here: metalcore ruins everything. Metalcore does ruin everything. Yeah, ruins CM Punk's. First theme song. Yeah. We're yeah. going to talk about wrestling. God, what you say? You brought it up this time. Kill me. Switch Engage, bro. Shut up. I just, <laughs> oh, God, I'm still trying to, I'm still reeling from that fucking, um, that one Guilty Pleasures episode where you brought that up, man. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> okay, so listen, this, My Bloody Valentine ca- encapsulates a certain side of shoegaze that emphasizes the noise and the stuff that isn't really approachable to an audience. So if you're not a big fan, of how the Jesus and Mary chain did it or how my, my bloody Valentine did it, I'd suggest you walk on over to Slow Dive, particularly a song called Allison, which we'll hear right now. Is this an Elvis Costello cover? Oh, shit. <laughs> This song, Allison, is off of uh, an album called Sulaki, which is hard to pronounce, but it released a year after Loveless, and it's it's constantly rivaled with Loveless on the greatest shoegaze album of all time. And it, at the end of the day, it really depends on how you like your shoegaze. Uh, 
the next couple of songs after this are going to explore this sort of dream poppy side of shoegaze, uh, which kind of go hand in hand, like we were talking about with Cocktoo Twins. Um, and the, the band Slow Dive really emphasizes that, the sort of shimmering guitar rather than the noisy or, in any case, crunchy guitar. Um, the vocals are constantly going to be smooth, pristine, um, colorful, and, and at the end of the day, it's this is the music that you want to listen to when you're in bed in a, in a depressed state, whereas Loveless is what it's going to pump you up, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I, again, I'm, I don't want to like say this is not the way to label this song. So obviously, I'm not the be all and all on that. I mean, I keep saying showgaze for for Christ's mm-hmm. sake, but, um, but no, I, I, I would have never cons- like I don't. Slow Dive is definitely one of those, you know, those showgaze man, showgaze bands that I'm not too familiar with, but. Um, to me, I never would have considered them dream pop. Like, me, dream pop is a little more spacey. The notes tend to stand out a little more on their own mm-hmm. to me. Um, and I can, I can definitely kind of see the uh, how there's some crossover here between the two because so so I've kind of. They, they they definitely like you said they're definitely a little more calmer in the sense that they're not like it's not these crushing wall of noise mm-hmm. it's a little like more shimmery a little more a little more relaxed in some way even if it is still depressing but to me there's there's still like a there's still kind of that constant like um, distortion going through it the notes still kind of stand out on their own which to me doesn't re- which to me doesn't really stand out like a lot of the other uh, dream pop that I know so again I'm not I'm not saying it's necessarily a wrong thing but to me kind of this is probably like the best, like the most bridge between the two. Like it right. really just sits right in the center. I wouldn't really call this one or the other. Maybe this is a question for a- later, Andrew, but I want to ask you right now, and I think I already know the answer. If you were to put shoegaze sound on a spectrum, do you lean more towards the My Bloody Valentine side of it, or can you see yourself ever leaning towards a slow dive side of it? I mean, I mean so essentially what we traditionally think of shoegaze and dream pop, Mm-hmm. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I mean, I, here's the thing. I love. I, mean, I don't know if I can really sit here and pick the difference between the two. Mm-hmm. I quite like both. I mean, I know which is weird for me to say, but I kind of like both. Sound, sounds kind of equally. It just depends, I guess, on on what I'm feeling. I mean, typically, I'd want like a band to go one way or the other. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I go. I mean, even though I do like slow dive, but I, I don't know. Like, again, I've known about dream pop for quite a long time, and I really like that sound for bands like Belly and Beach House, which I. We keep teasing about we'll talk about later mm-hmm. and there's a band um i th- want to say from sweden i could be no i think they're from california i don't know <laughs> called lamolo I'll, I'll mention them later my okay. recommendations but a lot of these kind of bands that you know have really sweet kind of um spaced out like atmospheric you know pop music with a lot right. of reverb that's the stuff that i really like with dream pop so um while i do like s- slow dive that's what i when I think of Dream Pop, that's what I think of. And then Bible of Valentine, obviously, you know, bands like that kind of have that really harsh wall of noise that I can also really appreciate, especially when yeah. the the melodies are still there. So, again, it just kind of depends on what mood I'm in. Yeah. But, you know, I, I really don't think I'd pick one or the other. I really like – I think both sides equally have their merits. So. It's purely situational for you? I, I guess. I mean, I really again, I really didn't even know that they were kind of related. I really had that that dot has really been, wasn't really connected with my head until mm-hmm. like I started doing research for this episode. So right. I guess I hadn't really thought about it before. So, mm-hmm. um, but again, to me, I think both sides have their merits. That's Great. what I'll say. I think it's really interesting, honestly, that like two genres that seem disconnected can be so close and also elicit the same kind of feelings. Like I get the same kind of feeling from that My Bloody Valentine song 
that I do from like the slow dive song or like the beach house song we're going to play in a second. Mm -hmm. I feel like they can all kind of elicit the same feelings, even with different uh, technology and different sounds. And I like that a lot. Great. Well, we've been teasing it for a while. This is a a household name that a lot of uh, young people will recognize nowadays, but uh, the next song is a super modern example of dream pop uh, by some of the most prolific figures in that genre today. Yeah. And they've released God knows how many albums at this point since they formed in the, Roughly early to mid 2000s. Right. We were talking about Beach House, like we said. Um, I don't know if Ben, if you'd like to play a, a song from one of the more recent records, Depression Cherry. It's called Space Song. All right. Um, as you can hear in that song, like to me, like this is a great song, kind of demonstrates some of the key aspects of why I like um, uh, dream pop so much, and kind of that more spacey atmosphere that, like you'd mentioned, I mean, it's literally called space song for Christ's sakes. <laughs> but um, it you, you can definitely hear a lot more of the guitar picking and bending. You can hear yeah. those notes much more clearly defined, unlike something like with My Bloody Valentine or those keyboard notes. They kind of they really try to stand out. Like it, it is more note based this time rather than just like kind of wall of noise. It does seem to have a I don't want to say more structure, but you you know what I mean. This feels a little more. I guess more of a, I guess a straightforward song and something like what My Billy Valentine does. Right. But I'm surprised you picked Space. I just love Space songs. It's a great song. Um, I should say I really do like Beach House. Uh, I've been kind of a fan of theirs for, for a little bit now. Yeah. Um, but I'm surprised you didn't put Sparks in here, from, 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 which is also from Depression Cherry, because to me that one kind mm. of – it because it adds like a lot louder like kind of – like much louder um, guitars on there. It's yeah. a little more – Fuzz heavy on that one. That kind of does kind of bridge more to sh- uh, showgaze to me. So. Well, it, at the end of the day, Andrew, I can't really consider myself a full fledged Beach House fan yet. I mean, the band does a great job of calling back to the early Dream mm-hmm. Pop stuff, like what we heard from Cocktoo Twins, and but and it replaces that that kind of rustic '80s aesthetic with this sleek and shiny new outfit uh, that your typical record store hipster is going to listen to. Uh, I do enjoy some of this band's work a lot, but at the end of the day, sometimes it can be a hitter miss for me i i experience uh some problems that you've mentioned before where some of the songs are just so slow and so pristine that i, I get bored after a while and mm-hmm. and i need to be in a certain mood in order to absorb yeah. it which i, I can kind of see i mean sparks i sparks is just a single i always go back to on this mm-hmm. record but yeah. I, I which which is weird which i know normally you i, I think normally for us you normally you think we normally have the opposite of hey, right. something slow yeah. in this but i've always loved kind of like the atmosphere of the dream prop Dream Prop brings and usually has good enough hooks and melodies and right. kind of harmonies to where it really just keeps grabbing my attention. I just love the sounds that that the genre can create. So, um, yeah, I, I love I love Beach House. I think they're a great band. And I think Depression Show is probably one of their best records, if not their their best album. I, I do quite like them. So again, yeah. I was a little surprised to kind of see them on this list. So yeah, but it was a pleasant surprise. Cool. Any thoughts, Ben, on uh, Beach House? Yeah, I really like the the focus on synthesizers to fill out basically the entire space, um, and also the way in which 
they can kind of back off. Like it's it's not it's not it doesn't seem as noisy as something like my bloody Valentine or something like that where you're being mm-hmm. assaulted and where it's filling up all the space, but all the space is still filled. Right. Like there's enough synthesizer work happening and I really like like the arpeggios and stuff like that mm-hmm. where the space is is always filled and it never really gets boring, at least on a song like this. Yeah, I mean, I, I at the end of the day, I'll find myself gravitating more towards Teen Dream. That's kind of my go-to Beach House record if I was to pick one. Mm-hmm. But uh, Depression Cherry is definitely... Uh, the, it, there's a reason why I put this on here is because uh, that song released in 2015 is what kind of turned them pop mm-hmm. and uh, got so many people hooked on this. I, I imagine you were into it kind of before that, Andrew, but like this is kind of what brought them to the main stage. I think Depression Cherry is my introduction to them. Oh, yeah? So, okay. Um, yeah, but no, I think Beach House is a great band, and uh, if you've never really delved into there, again, like, they they can kind of be hit or miss. Sometimes they do lack those hooks. Um, so just as a forewarning for diving in, but um, they, they they like like Michael said at the start, they're definitely prolific. Um, sometimes they release a, a second album in a year when you didn't expect it. So, right. um, def, definitely an interesting band. I would recommend people checking out. Well, let's move away from the dream pop stuff for a second and talk about uh, bands that kind of use shoegaze elements in their particular style of alternative rock. And this is a topic that's hugely up for debate in the shoegaze community, Andrew. So it'll be great that we're going to have this conversation. But at the end of the day, Andrew, do you consider Smashing Pumpkin shoegaze? I wouldn't. Um, I mean, they're almost more metal to me, or sludge metal at times Mm -hmm. to me, than I would before I would call them shoegaze. I mean, to me, whenever I hear... Because I knew you, you put, I think, well, it sounded like a um, kind of an outtake, it sounded like from the right. uh, Melancholy Sessions. Am I correct? Yes. Uh, okay. So, which is a, a glammy glammy, which I'm sure we'll play in a second. But to me, when I listen to that, I'm like trying to put in the context of what we're talking about. I'm like, I get, I, I kind of get it. There's a lot, there's there, definitely uh, with all the layering that Billy Corgan brings to, mm-hmm. to their music, I can definitely see probably like, oh, it has a lot of kind of like the wall of noise stuff or how it can bring it in there. But like, to me, it's just almost too heavy almost to, for me to even consider it showgaze. Well, showgaze can be loud and crushing. It's never exactly heavy. You know what I mean? Yeah, it doesn't yeah. have that kind of like that just, you know, complete out base or, you know, thickness that really just, right. like, lends it. Yeah, I would say that's definitely a stretch to me, but I can see some of the similarities. Well, why don't y'all listen to this song that I put on there called Glammy Glammy. This is a take, uh, kind of a B-side off of Melancholy and Infinite Sadness, which, uh, as we know, you can go back and listen to the Smashing Pumpkins episode. Uh, it's over eight hours of music on this album, so it was easy to kind of pick out the song that kind of represents this. Andrew, I definitely see where you're coming from with that argument. It's something that I'm conflicted with myself. But I can definitely hear when I listen to this song that layering, like you're talking about, that Billy Corgan is able to put on his guitars. And, you know, we don't really get a taste of vocals on this. But if I'm thinking back to albums like Siamese Dream, the vocals are mixed lower into that album, like you were talking about earlier. And I can hear... I can definitely tell that this band was inspired by MBV in a lot of cases. I know there's a particular song 
on uh, on Gish that was definitely inspired by MBV, and that's on the record. Um, and I think people will come back to, and saying and backing up this argument that Smashing Pumpkins is shoegaze because, in a lot of ways, they'll go through the same evolution a shoegaze band will go through. Um, eventually, they get to Ava Door, which uses a lot of synth- synthesized drums, which is kind of tapping into that dream pop mm-hmm. thing that we're talking about. Yeah. So I think people are picking up these pieces. And trying to, you know, mask the Smashing Pumpkins as a shoegaze band, but at the end of the day, the Smashing Pumpkins mix so many genres into their music. You said metal, rock, you know, uh, grunge, all this stuff. It's it's hard to pinpoint a certain genre for this band in general. I mean, I, I suppose. I mean, here I actually had a debate kind of similar to this. I used to de- debate with my dad that a lot of grunge music was essentially just punk. Mm. I had heard that argument before, and I for a while I kind of believed that. Although I will say, I think. I hate to say it, but I think my dad might be right in a certain case here. Um, I mean, being Kirk, like, um, early, especially when you back, listen to early Soundgarden, you listen to um, uh, Mud Honey and Nirvana, even. Yeah. Uh, a lot of them were inspired by punk music. I mean, hell, grunge came out of the, uh, the Seattle punk scene in the Definitely. 80s. But just because Nirvana took inspiration from punk, would you necessarily call him a punk band? No. So, no, and no. Then that, that's honestly where I think the debate here comes with. with Action Pumpkins just because they were inspired by Loveless or by, by Blue Valentine. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's the band they, they were referring to when they say they were inspired by it, but just because they, they just because they took inspiration from it doesn't make them fat. It doesn't make them showgaze. So um, again, I definitely see where people are coming from on it, but I don't know. Just again, it's too much of a stretch though. But still, just. A, Smash Pumpkins is still great, and I think their use of layering, like I said back in our Smash Pumpkins episode, is wonderful. So, I mean, I don't really care what it's called. I just want to listen to it. Yeah, it definitely fills up the space in a similar way, I think, like especially on a demo like that. But I wouldn't necessarily put it in the same class as any of this stuff. I definitely see the inspiration, though. And as we all know, the world is a vampire. So. <laughs> <laughs> random okay so that's my extent that's that's my knowledge of smashing pumpkins uh-huh. so i just we gotta get this man with some smashing pumpkins check out our uh our episode ben yeah do your research yeah, <laughs> i will say this though i wasn't i was in the same boat before that episode ben so don't feel bad True. so all right so these next couple songs are really unique and and i wanted to end it off on this weird note on talking about Bands that use shoegaze and seamlessly blend it, it blend it into genres from completely different sects of music. It's super easy to put a dreamy soundscape and walls of sound over pretty much anything, even black metal, uh, which is exactly what San Francisco's Death Haven did. But you would think black metal already is a wall of sound, essentially. But. I guess, but uh, the band Death Haven did it on their 2013 album Sunbather. And uh, I want everybody to hear a little cut from Pecan Tree right now.
So while the whole black gaze trend is by no means my favorite form of American black metal, Sunbather deserves to be rem- remembered for its cunning originality and seamless wave between utter like metal darkness and this blinding light of the post-rock side of it. And you can see that all throughout this 12-minute long epic, um, The Pecan Tree. And... Um, I thought this album was very interesting when I first heard it, and I was told by so many people, including our former podcast editor, Brent, to avoid black gaze with everything you can. Um, and I can I can find merit in it. I come back to it, and now that I can consider myself a, a black metal person, I like black metal, um, I find a lot of merit in this album. Um, ben is by no means a black metal person, though. <laughs> so this is the one, you said this is the one song on the on the playlist that you absolutely did not like. Well, yeah, because the album <clears throat> or the the uh, the episode's called Ten Songs to Get You into Shoegaze." I think it should be called Nine Songs to Get You into Shoegaze" and Ooh. one song to turn you off of shoegaze. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I like the parts where the constant noise and screaming subsides, <laughs> um, but. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure it's for someone. It, it's for you, clearly. It's 11 and a half minutes long. Uh, it, it does. It's, it seems to change enough that that's the, that length is justified. Sounds like me I, right now. I was Jesus. also, I do. I was also kind of uh, put off by the album cover. Like, I was very confused by right. it. The yeah. album cover does not fit the music in any way. Yep. And that, I found that very odd. But um, yeah, uh, it's, it's famously misleading, definitely. And yeah. I wanted to play that particular part of the song right around the four-minute mark because yeah. you can hear that transition from the black metal screaming and vocals to that post-rocky, dream-poppy kind of side, which puts this label of black gaze on it. Um, what did you think, Andrew? We were told so many times to avoid this. I, I, I vaguely remember this conversation. Actually, when you were listening to it, I was vaguely remember Brent saying something about he didn't like like Death Haven or something. Yeah. I don't, that's all I remember really about it. Um, here's what I'm going to say about this, and um, pretty, which is pretty much my, my stance on the whole Norwegian black metal scene to begin with. I love the instrumentation. Even, it's, even if the, black, the original black metal scene wasn't anything too complicated, it's just a lot of tremolo picking and just creating those kind of swirling uh, melodies that mm-hmm. really um, supposed to be just dark and depressing and crushing, which I really liked. And then I think it translates very well into combining a lot of those uh, showcase elements. I mean, because at first when I was listening to this, I'm like, this is just black metal. Like, what the hell? But then, as like you said, as those kind of changes kept going through the through through the song, I realized, okay, I can definitely see how they were um, inspired by a lot of this, by a lot of showcase and kind of incorporated it in there. And I think they did it well. Mm-hmm. Again, I I just like I said in the black metal episode, though, I like the instrumentation. Just can, can, it's just hard for me to get over those vocals. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of the screaming vocals. It's just I, I can deal with mixed vocals, or even when like something like screaming is harmonized with more clean style vocals. I like that, even except when it's like a metalcore. That's just cringy shit. But um, when I really, I think that could have like they had such a great opportunity to do like to kind of have. Um, showcase style vocals or at least something kind of mixed in with the the, the traditional black metal screaming with Mm -hmm. those kind of vocals and i think that would have been really interesting it's something i would have really dug um honestly i'd be really interested in hearing a um an all instrumental record from this from this band i really would because it's more because it's more than just your your standard black metal instrumentation it has a lot of those elements but it has more going on with it and i think it would really they would really benefit from releasing an instrumental record i'd love to hear it yeah uh, it took me a long time to get over that vocal style for sure, and uh, it just happened to me like this past summer. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, I 
I can say I'm a black metal person now, but I, I'm still, I'm not far in enough where I can understand where you guys are coming from. And we were talking about this on our black metal episode so long ago, Andrew, where it's like those vocals are a hard hit or a hard miss, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so at the, I wanted to put this in there though, to kind of lead into this style of merging shoegaze elements to genres that you would never expect. And an even weirder shoegaze phenomenon is it's merging with techno music on Sweet Trip's Velocity Design Comfort, uh, which released in 2003. And I'd like Ben to play the song Disco. So Sweet Trip is another experimental project from San Francisco as well, fronted by producer, multi-instrumentalist, and songwriter Roberto uh, Borgos. Uh, sorry, Borgos. Um, Borgos' collection of albums is still one of a kind, really, especially Velocity Design Comfort. Nobody has replicated this style yet. This is kind of a one-band phenomenon. Damn it. Uh, yeah, and it's making its way through the underground music scenes and winning the hearts of those shoegaze purists. Uh, this is something that Ben really enjoyed. So it won my heart. Well, it's very interesting. We just went from my least favorite song on the playlist to my favorite. Um, a lot of these songs, they kind of, it's kind of like slowly, it's it's kind of like when you walk down the stairs into a pool mm-hmm. and you're kind of submersing yourself into the water as slowly as you can. Right. Um, like My Bloody Valentine. Like it's, it, I'll listen to it and I'll be like, oh yeah, I really like this, but I'm just kind of easing into it yeah with this song it starts with those goofy like game boy drums (laughs) and i just loved it right away it's catchy it's poppy it has that kind of wall of sound component where it fills up the space but it does it in a really interesting way that was unlike anything else i heard here and i'm very upset to hear that it's sort of a one band thing because I was going to ask you if there were other bands you knew well, that sounded like this. Well, the, like his in collection of albums, like I said, is pretty consistent all throughout. And uh, those three albums, I believe, that he's released, especially the most recent one, uh, kind of capitalize on what was done on, uh, on, on this album right here, Velocity Design Comfort. Uh, it's definitely a band to check out just to see this phenomena of such an unlikely pairing of uh, music genres, the shoegaze and the and the techno. But I thought this would scare Andrew away immediately. So what did you think? Um, I actually didn't really hear it. I didn't realize this was supposed to merge techno until you mentioned it just <laughs> really? now. I didn't catch on. I wish I should. The drum machine should have been a, uh, an, a indicator, big yeah. an indicator. Um, I guess it just didn't really register with me. I mean, I, I, honestly, I was even struggling to hear the showcase in this. I'm like, it's just kind of sounded a little punky, a little, huh. like, I thought it was just some weird, like, 2000s, like, punk, like, garage act. I did not get showcase in this one. So this is the one I really just didn't see it. Like, I just didn't see the showcase in all of this. It was okay. just kind of like, oh, it's just some slightly funky kind of, like, 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 like early 2000s like garage band mm-hmm. act. that's what I got from it um, I actually thought it was fine I liked the hook to it mm-hmm. um, the drum machines are meh. but um, you know I mean I'm just not crazy about drum machines but especially at least when they're super obvious that they're drum right, machines right, right. you know I just it just kind of turns me off but I thought it was fine I liked the vocals um, 
I'd be interested in hearing more from it. Um, less drum machine would be nice, but... <laughs> Listen, I'm going to show you that uh, that most recent album, though, because they kind of strip back on the techno elements a lot and really emphasize these shoegaze and the rock part of it. Okay. I'll send that to you. Yeah. Interesting. But yeah, no, I mean, it was fine. I, I, I liked it, even if I didn't really see it really fitting with everything else we're talking about today, but that's just me. Yeah. All right. That was kind of the, the weirdest option I had here. Um, I want to close, though, with, um, you know, we've been talking about how shoegaze uh, started in like the late 80s and continued through the early 90s and always remained underground but there's still bands that are around now nowadays that stick to that pure shoegaze sound and Andrew and I have talked about this one so many times so yeah, I'm going to give Andrew the lead on this one yes I'm going to say if there's any band would take the lead on it's this one mm-hmm. um, we're talking about a band called Loomer uh, which is actually named after a My Boy Valentine song right. um, which I didn't realize till a few years after discovering them because this was kind of my discovery of shoegaze way early on in my even before I even knew what shoegaze was way early on in my music discovery Discovering uh, life, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Early on in, in that process is right. when I discovered them uh, online somewhere. Uh, they're a showcase band from Brazil. I think they formed in like 2009, 8, 10, somewhere in the <laughs> span of time. Right. All, all their like press stuff is in like um, uh, Portuguese because they're from Brazil. So right. it's been a little hard for me to um, discover it. Although I, I did discover that. Um, I actually pulled it up on my phone because my computer died. Um, I don't know when this came out. Uh, this article came out, but on a, on a it looks like a blog called NoiseArtist.net. There is an art, a very long article about Loomer. It's called Loomer, uh, in parentheses, Brazil, Noise Pop List, which is quite an uh, interesting way of putting them. I mean, really, these guys... They have a lot of the cl- if you're really like, really clamoring for bands to have that classic uh, showcase sound like My Bloody Valentine mm-hmm. mixed in with some like slow dive, um, or any even traces of early Dinosaur Junior, yeah. like you can find it with these guys. So he's and I should say guys and some gals. They, they've constantly had a rotating uh, lineup change throughout the years, from my understanding. And but they always have at least a girl somewhere on this and who participates in the vocals. Right, but. Um, yeah, they're a great band. Like I said, they kind of introduced me to the sound. I remember when I first uh, heard them, I was like, because I didn't know what Shoegaze was. So I was just like, mm-hmm. why does this sound like it's mixed like shit? Like, I thought the mixing was terrible. <laughs> right. but, but then, I mean, I, I still persisted with it because I, li- I liked the sound so much. And uh, yeah. and um, I, I just kind of, and as it went on, I discovered what Shoegaze was. I was like, oh, Wow, there is a purpose for it to sound like this. And yeah. I really liked it. I love the spacey atmosphere that they bring. And uh, particularly on the song that really first really got me into them, which is from their second EP called Carrot Soul. If you'd like to play a clip for us, Across the Clouds, Ben. <laughs>
so just from that clip, you can hear a lot of those elements in there. There's definitely a lot of um, traces of, you know, that kind of really spacey atmosphere that more of the dream pop mm-hmm. stuff has, you know. And it feels like you're, well, as the song says, flying through the clouds. But it's also kind of demented sounding because you also have that really harsh wall of noise that comes with them. Yeah. Did you even get some of that? I want to say technical proficiencies on the guitar, but you definitely get yeah. more of the that you know guitar kind of playing style. It reminds me of Dino. In fact, uh, um, I should say one of the old promotional photos of this band, one of the girls is like holding a good drill but wearing a Dinosaur Junior t-shirt. Cool. I was like, I have never told you this story, Michael. Just <laughs> a side note, but I'm, I'm not going to lie. When I... When I first, because I <laughs> discovered Loomer way before I ever heard, heard Dinosaur Junior. Right, right, right. I legit thought Dinosaur Junior was like a kid show or something oh from my Brazil. God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought she was just wearing it ironically. I legit thought Andrew. that. Hey, I was like, thirst- I was just about to say something really nice, but. This is, I'm, I'm still going to say it, but I'm going to say it with uh, with Ernest. I, I was like 13 <laughs> for, as the starters. I didn't, I was still like early on in my discovery. You can't, like, unlike you who are like blessed with parents who like listen to like a lot of this alternative stuff. My dad probably doesn't even know who Dinosaur Jr. is. Right. So cut me some slack. All right, I will. But at the end of the day, Andrew, this is kind of the band that uh, brought us together as friends. I, I still go back to that because this is kind of the first recommendation that you gave me that I absolutely fell in love with. You you recommended the album. You won't get what you want, and it had, uh, you wouldn't anyway. Sorry, you wouldn't anyway. Uh, it goes to show you how much I pay attention. But anyway, it had songs like Mammoth Butterfly, uh, Silent Noise. Mm-hmm. Those songs I still listen to this day. Yeah. And it, it, it's an amazing record. And I can't recommend this band enough. We've This is probably the fourth time we've recommended it. Yeah, them. at least like one of them. At least, I, again, I, this is a, one of the, like, it's like, number, it's like, like it, it's just like number 1A or 1B for these like underground or lesser known bands, at least here in the States, that I champion. Another one being Sheer, which I know you love, Michael. But, you know, but no, seriously, but, but no, Loomer... Is is a fantastic band, and I've loved them for for so long. And uh, to me, like this is they they always hold a soft spot in my heart because they introduced me to the genre of showgaze. And I just think they're a great band, and they always they're always kind of switching up their sound just ever so slightly as they go through their discography. If you look, if you listen to the first two EPs, by the way, I'll, I'm going to explain this because there are plenty of other bands that have gone by Loomer in the past, and they're not the same Loomer that we're talking about here from Brazil. So, um, for 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 this. Loomer, uh, their first two EPs, uh, which is uh, Mind Drops. I think it's Mind Drops and then Coward Soul. I could be mm-hmm. wrong there, but uh, it, it, those are kind of your standard like showcase sounding records. And then you wouldn't anyways. That kind of takes more of like the spaced out approach. They definitely kind of scale back a lot of like the the, the fuzz and distortion is still there definitely, but mm-hmm. it's kind of scaled back a little bit. And it's more or less talking. It's more or less um, has, focuses on the notes and the kind of melodies and the harmonies there. It's very kind of sweet sounding and some great riffs on that record, oh, I should yeah. add as well. Oh, yeah. And then Deserter, which is their most recent one, I think it was released in 2017. It's just a harsh, harsh wall of noise that would make Phil Spector blush. <sighs> like it is, it is crushing. Like my buddy Valentine wishes they were as crushing as Ooh, that one. It is, man. it is rough. I don't know if you've checked that one out. Um, I've heard a few songs here and there it's, from what you've sent me. Yeah. It's and, definitely uh, good. It's great, and there's a song called Lack on that that I really like, and I think uh, Miles is also another song. So, um, yeah, really, really great band. I really wish they would tour here in the States. That probably never happen no, never because uh, it's just sad, and they probably won't just 
really wouldn't have the audience let's, here. Let's start a GoFundMe for all the listeners to get Michael <laughs> and Andrew to Brazil to see a Loomer concert. Sure, or 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 at least get them over here, get yeah. exposed to the states. But man, I I I, I just love this band. And um, as a side note, they're on a. Uh, Brazilian in, uh, alternative label called Mid- Midsummer Madness, and there's some other great stuff on that label too. If you go back and listen, so just as like kind of a mini recommendation, I guess check out uh, the music on on the Midsummer Madness label. But uh, sorry, we, we spoke so much, Ben. Um, I, I really want to hear know what you think about this. I mean, I I like it a lot. I really liked that because that guitar playing kind of gets lost in some of these other songs. But the guitar playing on this was so weird and I loved it. Mm-hmm. Like the really that slack guitar playing uh, that, that we talked about before is brought to the forefront in something like this. And the mixing is really weird, like even compared to the other stuff on this list. Right. And I, I, I'm interested in that from a, a musical standpoint. I would definitely like to check out more stuff from this band, especially considering you both like, Speak of them so highly. Uh, yeah, I definitely check out. You wouldn't, anyways. I, I don't know. I don't know if you would really. Be, I don't know how much wall noise you can take. And if if, if, you, if you like my Bloody Valentine, you might like Deserter. But I think you wouldn't, anyways. It's your safer bet. Okay. Um, something else I didn't mention. Across the clouds. This is kind of the one that I always go back to. Is my favorite. I don't know if it's necessarily their best song, but to me, I, I just love how those vocal effects work it's just so echoey it's, to me that's just like whenever i that's kind of honestly it's just kind of what why, why i think that vocals are usually just so poorly mixed on uh, in the genre because yeah. i just go back and think about this song from loomer and it's just that's just always just such a trademark to me so again i i'm gonna stop talking about this band because i talk about talk about them for a long time but definitely if you're looking for a more a very modern band that kind of champions the old sounds the old guard if you will mm-hmm. for for the genre definitely check out loomer you will not be disappointed well there you have it there are 10 songs to get you into shoegaze and before we give you three more songs to, for you to check out i'd like to give some final impressions on the genre as a whole if that's cool go for it um so at the end of the day, I think shoegaze is a really emotional experience. Uh, for many, including myself, this uh, subgenre marks the first steps into noise-oriented music, um, rather than a reliance on showmanship like we were talking about or catchiness in a song. Uh, when you start to rely on that ambience, it becomes music that makes you more connected with what's around you. Um, shoegaze is the most approachable method for understanding what I mean. Uh, while the music has the potential to be harsh, or on the other side of the spectrum, transcendental, like slow dive, uh, it still clings to a pop music foundation. We were talking about like the 60s style uh, pop music stuff that they're bringing back. Uh, Shoegaze is just a no- is not just another form of alternative rock. It's kind of a door to a whole new perspective looking at music, at least for me. So, yeah, I, as a like almost entirely non shoegaze listener, I was really pleased with almost all of this, um, and I think that the important thing to note is that even though you have kind of these washes of sound and these things that might sound impenetrable, there are really well-crafted, catchy songs in almost all of these examples. And that is, I think, a really important thing to take away. It's kind of a uh, different flavor to your pop music, especially if you're looking at the dream pop side of things. It's it's a really interesting way to look at catchy music uh, just in a different light and with a different sound. Um, I think you guys pretty much said everything I would. Um, I... You definitely opened my eyes, Michael, and kind of 
understanding the genre a little bit more than I did. Uh, definitely make me finally listen to some of the stuff that I really had kind of overlooked a bit. Um, definitely going to have to check out <laughs> more Slow Dive at the very least. Um, I mean, really, yeah, pretty much it's, it's like you said, Michael, I think it's a genre very much driven by emotion rather than technical proficiencies a lot of the time. Sometimes that's not the case. But, mm-hmm. I mean, for me, um, I don't know. I, I always... I can always find myself very pleased by whatever I hear from the genre. So, um, and I, I just appreciate kind of its production styles and everything. So again, not really going to add much more to what you guys said. So great. All right. With, without further ado, it is recommendation time. Uh, who would like to go first this week? No response. It's going to be me. Okay. (laughs) So, uh, this song just came out by a band everyone knows and loves. I'm talking about the strokes. Uh, have you guys heard this yet? Bad decision. Uh, no. This is the new song. This is the new song. I have not. You're going you're to love it. Really? You I've heard underwhelming things, so we'll I see. I really enjoy it. I I like the one that came out before this a little better. Um, but this one, bad decision. Great use of reverb on it. Kind of sounds like a Beach Fossil song if you guys ever heard of them. Oh. Yeah. Uh, but kind of way better. Uh, Julian Casablanca sounds fantastic as always. It's catchy fantastic leads and a, a really strong callback to the early work like from is this it and, and other classics like that uh, i'd like ben to play it real quick Classic strokes, catchiness, gotta love it. Uh, I really have no way of tackling any hate towards this song. Just sounds like some uh, some strokes that I know and love. But what do uh, you guys think? I I actually hardly recognize that as the strokes. I don't mean that this is a bad thing, but yeah, that is like a very psychedelic take on them. I think, especially with that those guitar effects, mm-hmm. uh, it's quite interesting. Very swirly. Uh, also, it didn't really sound like Julian Casablancas to me. Almost, really? it sounded like Julian. I guess it kind of sounds like Julian Casablancas mixed with like Lou Reed or something at times. Like I can definitely hear some Lou Reed traces like in those lower Flattening lower portions. Out, yeah, I I never really heard him like that. I actually I like that though. I mean, it was it was fine. It's kind of catchy. I'm hopefully hopefully it kind of picks up more as the song goes. So. I'll have to check that out now. Um, you've piqued my interest. Yeah, just wanted to get that out. New album's coming out soon. Not sure when, but uh, it is called The New Abnormal. Okay, I will hit it with mine next. So I'm going to play something from a project that only ever released one album. I say project because this is a uh, second solo project from musician and poet David Berman, who's best known for being essentially the Silver Jews. Um so he put out with a varied cast of characters six albums as the Silver Jews that stopped in 2008 and he didn't do anything uh for the next 11 years in the music world until 2019 when he put out what 
was unfortunately to be a swan song under the name Purple Mountains. It's just the Purple Mountains LP. Um, and this stuff, from what I've heard, is really, really sol- solid. What I'm going to play for you right now is a little song called That's Just the Way That I Feel, which I was listening to on the way over here. And for some reason, it kind of reminds me of the Stroke song we just listened to, and it kind of reminds me of just sort of the general sound of this episode. I don't really think it actually does. Just for some reason, my brain is working that way right now. So here's, that's just the way that I feel. Well, I don't like talking to myself, but someone's gotta say it hell. I mean, things have not been going well. It's time I think So yeah, I don't really know where I got any of those impressions from. Uh, I think it's kind of in the way he sings, reminds me of the way that Casablanca sings on that Stroke song, stuff like that. But I don't know, that that song is one of those sort of mid-tempo rock groovers that is also really like emotionally moving to me. And that's why I brought it up. It's I, interesting. Uh, it's actually very nice because we can, uh, I don't know if you mentioned at the start of the episode, we actually have headphones that we can listen to, <laughs> to awesome. all this stuff now. It's very nice and I can comment on this because... It was weird because, I don't know, it surprises me. that I don't know why this is in my head, but it sounds like a strange combination of, like, Tom Petty and Bright Eyes. Like, I can mm. hear a lot of Bright Eyes in there. I can hear the shaky vocal. I forget who fronts Bright Eyes. I feel stupid right now. But um, I don't know if you've two ever really listened to Bright Eyes. I quite like them. But they have a really right. – their, their frontman's a really shaky kind of voice, and he brings kind of that emotional, like, unwaveringness to it, which I definitely hear uh, – on this record, but the music kind of sounds like Tom Petty-ish to yeah. me. Like, I can kind of hear that. So it's like, I don't know why. That's the weird combination that came to my head when I heard that. But I quite liked it. Yeah. I've cool. listened to a little bit of Silver Jews in the past, and uh, I really enjoyed this. I, I enjoy David's shaky vocals like Andrew was talking about. And I love how the instrumentation is meant to highlight his poetry. Because at the end of the day, I think uh, the music that he creates is very lyric-centric. Right. Um, and uh, that carries over in any project that he does. And I think that uh, that proves that point. Uh, yeah. This song definitely does. Yeah, the music just kind of sits back. I'd also like to mention um, there's a Silver Juice song called Punks in the Beer Light that I would recommend. That's gives me the same kind of feeling. He, he really has a way of, of eliciting feelings with sort of ambiguous poetry. Um, he's just a really great poet and songwriter and musician with a, an interesting voice that you probably love or hate. So, Andrew... Can we move to your recommendation? Yes. Actually, um, if you don't mind, I'd like to recommend two things today because okay. I don't know, um, honestly, a better place to, to insert them, to, to recommend these two bands, if, except for uh, this episode we're talking about Shogaze and Dream Pop even. Uh, the first one I'd like to re- recommend is from a band called Cheetahs. The song is called Controller, if you want to put that up. I actually, I say bands, I actually don't know this band too well. <laughs> <laughs> I just know this one song. I really liked it. I actually haven't listened to this in like a long time, but when I was uh, I was reminded of it when preparing for this episode. So you can just play it from the start, Ben, when you have it pulled up. But 
yeah, they're they're kind of a showgaze band, little dream poppy, but they definitely have some a uh, lot of that spaciness to them that I really like. Um, it's a great it's a great like overall riff to it as well. So. Um That's just a little hit again. That's um, other show, the more underground showgaze band that I really like. Uh, so definitely check that out. By the way, we also need a, a showgaze counter, I think, for this episode. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want other times to piss people off. Uh, but the band I really want to talk about here, I just wanted to bring that song up because I, I know I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I figured yeah. you would, Michael. So I, I don't know why I haven't brought them up to you. But the one I really want to talk about, though, is one of my favorite dream pop bands. Uh, I've and this is one of those band, another one of those like more I guess kind of slightly underground bands that I've been championing for quite a while. They're okay. called Lamolo. Uh, if you'd like to look that up, Ben, it is L E M O L O, and that's for all you listeners at home as well. Uh, I think it's like a two-piece uh, all-girl kind of group. Mm-hmm. Um, I could be wrong on that, but I think it's at least fronted mainly. Uh, Fronted by those by these uh, two girls, I forget their name. Uh, they have at least three studio records uh, that you guys can go check out. Uh, one being released, I believe, last year at some point. Uh, really, really good stuff. The one that I quite like though is the first record, the Kaleidoscope. Uh, and if you'd like to pull up, there's a song. Uh, if you'd like to start playing it at roughly the 22nd mark, Ben. Uh, it's called On Again, Off Again. Uh, you, it's a really, this is kind of like the really spaced out dream pop, very atmospheric that I really like. And I don't, if, you don't, if you don't like all of Beach House, I don't know if you'll necessarily like it, Michael, but we'll okay. see though, all because right. I really, really love it. like the guitars on that uh not so much for the the really clean vocals but I, I gotta ask andrew are you a post-rock guy like do you are you familiar with like explosions in the sky and that kind of stuff um i know the name explosions in the sky i okay. don't know like post-rock is one of those genres that always kind of like dance me in the way it's like what does that mean <laughs> right right what does right. that mean post-rock i got so much from that like from those guitar tones and i feel like you'd really be into a couple yeah. of those bands but I, I i enjoyed it no well it, the, the vocals definitely picked up i might have picked a, a bad song clip uh for it but it definitely that song definitely has a slow really slow build through it throughout the mm-hmm. entire song mm-hmm. so that's definitely one that you need to kind of listen to the whole thing to experience it well, yeah but it but they but, but these but there's definitely some 
she she's just a wonderful singer, and I love this the melodies and the hooks that they bring bring to this. And again, they always find a really great way of balancing like slow builds and atmosphere, mm. and just kind of crashing everything way together. Um, they're a terrific band, and if I they're one of my like I said they're one of my favorite dream pop groups. I might even like them more than Beach House. I don't oh. know. I, I like for me it's kind of like Beach House, Belly, and Lamolo are the ones I always go to when I think mm. dream pop, and just they're just they're just really good. If there's like we've we've recommended Loomer enough on this show. If you've here if you're. It might, at this point, it's almost like my dog leg for the show where right, I right, right. <laughs> plugged him in so much. <laughs> but, like, if there's anything you're going to check out, I actually would recommend L- Molo. I love, love Molo. So that's my recommendation. My, my recommendations, I should say. Cool. Next week, <laughs> what do we got going on? Um, so again, like I said, we don't want to make promises yeah, at this point. We don't know we've been I, so I've been trying to work um, with the guests, possibly getting to talk about Fade No More, which is one of my favorite groups. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely one I want to do this semester, uh, possibly next week. I have not heard because we're trying to get a guest on um, who maybe longtime CM Life podcast listeners might recognize. Mm-hmm. But uh, beyond that, I uh, if that doesn't work out, we might talk about. More weird stuff. We talked about weird music stories yeah, last semester. Yeah. And I was one of my favorite episodes, even though it was kind of a loose format. It was quite a fun one to research and talk about. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I kind of want to do something similar with that. But it said weird musical genres. So expect one of those perhaps by uh, next week. Um, but beyond that, uh, I think that's all I really want to say. And with that, good night, Detroit. Detroit. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Fucked it up. Fucked it.